Howdy folks, Cormac Walsh here from Bass Fishing Ireland and you're very welcome to the very first Lure Fishing Podcast. This is the first episode and we're going to talk to Michael Kelly who is the owner and founder of Evo Bass Lures. Now if you fish bass in Ireland, UK or for anywhere else for that matter, you will have heard of and more than likely used the Evo Bass Lure. An absolutely deadly lure for catching bass. So I really hope you enjoy this one folks. Sit back, relax and have a good listen. Okay, so we have uh, Michael Kelly here from Evo Bass Lures. Delighted to have him on the line. Um, so, Michael, just tell us how you kind of got into the idea about making your own lures. Howdy, Cormac. Uh, thanks a million for having me on. Uh, I suppose it's been a long time coming. We've been trying to do this for a while. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, it started about five or six years ago, really. Um, look, I was always in the soft plastics, but I said I'd I give it a go. I try it myself. Um, I was a poor enough college student at the time, so didn't yeah, have the yeah. money spending on the the old high end Japanese plastics. So I got a few just to try for myself. You know, making making molds, making lures. Yeah. Um, but it was all for the personal personal use. There was never any intention to develop or sell or any of that crack. You know, starting off. So yeah, I was tipping away with that for a while. It was really during my masters then when I was doing marine biology that I started playing around with amino acids. Um, I, we were doing, a, I suppose, a lot on the chemistry of what attracts a fish and what puts a fish off, what potential prey sources or food. Um, yeah, I, yeah. So I, I dug into that a little bit and I kind of developed uh, an amino acid blend at the start and I was just hoping that, look, this might actually work. This might help attract the fish, even just marginally increase your chances of striking a fish or a fish strike in your lure. So I was into LRF, those rock fishing, and I was doing a lot of that in rock pools for blennies, gobies, scorpion fish, all that, the lovely little mini species. Yeah, and yeah. It ended up that these little rock pools are actually the perfect test environment to test out this amino acid infusion. Okay, so what yeah. I started doing, was I started, I found a way to put it into the lures and on the lures. And I started doing a few tests, like I'd throw in a lure first, just to control with nothing on it. They'd still be interested. Then I'd throw in one with the amino acids infused then on it, and they started going cracked for it, essentially. Oh, uh, that's very interesting now, yeah. And just explain to me, I suppose, briefly, I suppose, what exactly are the kind of amino acids? Um, so I suppose they're the, like, everything has amino acids. Like, certain amino acids make fish taste the way it does shellfish taste the way it does so what i did is i got i suppose the predominant amino acids from like the main prey species that our fish feed on bass specifically and i kind of tailored well i tried to tailor a lot of experimentation this blend that kind of represented some of the prey species that our our bass feed on um look it was just a load of trial and error at the start um and it's look, it seemed to work. It seemed to, to work on the blennies anyway at the start. They were going cracked for it. So then right, I, yeah. I I started the bass and they seemed to like it as well. No, that's the thing. It's I'm not saying it's the god molecule at all. I never claim that. That's why I don't speak about it that much. But yeah, my yeah, view yeah. that if it increased your chances of getting a hookup by even five percent, then it has done its job tenfold. That that was my you know, it has it has something that a lot of lures don't have, that extra little that little yeah, thing yeah. that might make fish like, oh, look, I'll go for it instead of passing it up. 
Because I'd yeah, say I the amount, you're like you know, you know, like yeah. sometimes you're, you know, you could be fishing there, and there could be, you know, you know, there's probably fish out there in front exactly. of you, and maybe they're not taken, or maybe there's something, and it might give you, it might be the difference between, you know, getting the fish to take or not, like you know, just that yeah. little bit, a little edge, as you say. One hundred percent, and I, I like, I think the amount of fish that are actually there that don't even go near look they might be stalking the law but don't actually commit i'd say it would break our break our hearts if we actually yeah, saw the fruits yeah i definitely agree with you yeah i've seen kind of footage of you know underwater footage of kind of bass yeah. and, and and chasing lures and you know and not taking and there's like you know dozens of bass there and you might think there's nothing there because you're not getting a hit like but but there is there's lots of fish there lots of fish there and even uh, i've seen a lot of footage of sea trout as well and I mean, <laughs> they're a whole different story by the looks of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting because I, like, it wouldn't have been something that I would have considered. I would have been kind of, you know, the lure, um, you know, the, the, the vibration of the lure, the profile of it, like, you know, and that's the kind of thing I, that would have been on my kind of mind. I would never kind of considered the amino acids. So, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I still think a profile vibration, all that jazz, that is, I still think that's 90 that could be 98% of it. This mm. was just a little minuscule, little extra edge to give, um, potentially, you know, just to make that that one fish out of 100 actually hit it rather than pass it up. That was yeah. all that was. Um, that's, yeah. that's why I don't, that's why I don't, uh, I don't, I suppose, speak about it that much either because, like, it is, it's, it's the lore, essentially, I believe. It's the profile, the colour, the way it's fished. Um, this is just a little tidbit, just a little extra thing but that's what got me into it. That's what kind of, that's what snowballed everything really is once I realized that this actually, you know, this could give you a little extra edge. That's yeah, when I kind yeah. of moved on to lure design and I suppose to where I am now really, that was the kind of the origin of it essentially. It wasn't actually making the lures for my personal use. It was, it was the amino acid infusion that kind of cemented it for me. Yeah. And tell me, Michael, how did you come? You have two kind of designs at the moment. You have the, the saber and the lance. Um, I suppose. How did you? How did you, or what made you kind of come up with the design for them, or what kind of factors did you consider when you were kind of, you know, going for the particular mold or, or type of lower yeah. profile? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I, like I was always, uh, I was always obsessed with soft plastics. Really, um, I think the first soft plastic I, I used, when I was eleven or twelve. Was a uh, do you remember those storm shads? Those big twenty oh, yeah. acre internally weighted shads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. I was obsessed with them when I was younger. And I think it was maybe, I used to watch a lot of, uh, you know, American largemouth bass fishing tournaments when I was growing up. And I yeah. saw how well they were doing on stick baits, like the Senko, etc. Um, so when I was in America then, maybe I was 15, 16, ended up buying, I think I bought half of Bass, bass Pro Shops and all their little Senkos and stick baits, Sluggos, all, all that jazz. Um, yeah, because so there would have been nothing like that in Ireland at the time. Like, we didn't really have a whole lot going on, you know, at the time, really. Well, there was a few pioneering anglers that were really trying to, you know, they were the, the, the real pioneers who were after, I suppose, bringing that in, them in from other places, like, you know, bringing influence from Japan, from America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. success on it. Um, but yeah, I, I did a bit of largemouth bass fishing in America. Um, I think I was 17 at that stage. And wow. I saw... Yeah. All, Senko actually was like because um, I was with my uncle and he was I don't know, he was using some sort of swim bait and the Senko was just it was ripping him out of it I, I, I was amazed because it's essentially just a little worm so yeah, that's yeah, what there's not much there's not much to it well it does, like on first appearance it doesn't look like there's a whole lot to it Senko you know it's just yeah. it's just a stick stick bait really 
stick bait essentially. So that's what kind of started me down the stick bait. Um, it eventually ended up on the lance, I suppose. I cut, yeah, I wanted more of a fishy profile without the ribs, but still that kind of that stick baity classic kind of senko kind of kind of vibe. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's how that came about. Um, yeah, and I <laughs> I was exclusively fishing that for two years and. Had great success, but boy, it, like it would be frustrating sometimes when you wanted something with a tail. Because I was stubborn. Yeah. Like, I, I, my my view was, if I wasn't catching on my lures and exclusively using them just to see how I can make them better or improve them, then what was the whole point of it? Um, I know so what you mean. Yeah, like we we want, yeah. you know, we you know we need them to catch fish. Like, uh, you yeah. know, if you don't, you're kind of wasting your time. Exactly. Otherwise, they might as well be pretty tree ornaments. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. So I suppose. <laughs> The lack of a tail and needing a tail in certain situations, you know, whether it's current or you just need a paddle tail sometimes, that led to the development of the sabre. So I still wanted that skinny, almost uh, stick bait body, but with a tail. And that's how that came about. A um, lot of trial and error, a lot of testing, a lot of prototypes gone wrong. But yeah, eventually, eventually got it, um, got it cinched down, I suppose. And that's, that's how the sabre came about. Yeah, it must have been. It must have been very exciting, though, for you when you, you know, when you started getting a few fish on the lure. Was it like um? Because oh, we know, yeah, we know now how effective they are. Like, I mean, you know, you know, all over Europe, really, and I think lads in America are even using them. Like, they were, they're, they're like they're brilliant lure. Like, but it must have been kind of exciting for you at the time to realize, hold on a minute, this is something good here. Oh, like I, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't have that much confidence starting off with them. I was kind of like, right, ah, they might be okay, but um. Yeah, it's that first fish. Like I'll never forget it. I was like, "Wow!" And it was it was chocolatey water. It, I think it was was it March or maybe it was April. Maybe it was the middle of April. Yeah. And I think it was I think it was a Lance One Fifty. I started with, chucked that out, and I actually had three fish that session. But yeah, I'll never forget that first fish. All right, that kind of cemented in my mind that right, this might actually this might work out. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I kind of. I was kind of watching it, watching it there for a while, and I seen the guys using them, and seen 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 even the guys in the UK were using them before I started using them, and I was like, geez, you know what? I'll have to give these a go. And nearly from the start, like they just they just kind of caught fish for me, you know. They were they were just you know straight out of the pack. They were brilliant, like. And that was the, it's, that's the thing with the lance, like with the saber, you have that tail kicking, so you have that kind of visual stimulation which gives you confidence. But with the lance, you don't really have as much of that. It's just that slow slalom that yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. a, you need confidence in it because it doesn't look like much. And that was, um, that was, I know starting off, that was a, a problem for a lot of lads was actually having the confidence in it. But it's when it really clicked for me that they were working was when someone I didn't know. So I had given lures to a friend and they had given lures to this lad they met. It's when he messaged me one evening with like I think it was like a seven pound bass or something. I was like, wow, that really that was that really amazed me. Like that someone actually put like you know had the confidence in them to use them on some of their valuable fishing time that we all Joe you know, that we're all chasing and they actually yeah yeah it. and it, and it worked like it worked yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah excellent yeah and and like tell me you obviously uh, you know it's it's a big kind of uh, you know it's a kind of a big commitment for you now I'm I'm sure you know but it's uh, you're managing you I mean every every kind of drop you do is is really successful like you know, you sell out like so I mean you're have you kind of anything kind of new in the pipelines or what's the plan going forward 
Yeah, oh no, I definitely have a few. There's look, there's always ideas, and that's that can be a bad thing sometimes. Sometimes too many ideas can kind of uh, dilute the whole uh, the whole broth. But uh, no, I've I have two lure ideas uh, in my head at the moment. I brought one of them to prototype. I was not happy at all, so I scrapped it. It'll go back to the to the drawing board. But that, that's the beauty of technology these days. Um, like I have a, I'm I'm not too shabby at the old 3D design. And I have a 3D printer, so if I have something in my head, I can design it, I can print the mold, and I can have a working prototype in about 12 hours. Oh, brilliant, so, brilliant, yeah. Because, like, really, I, 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 I dabbled myself kind of trying to make lures and stuff, you know, and, uh, like, I soon realized, like, like this is this is an awful lot of work, you know, and it's a lot of time and effort to be put into it. And then when you even have a product, like I mean, it's it mightn't even it mightn't work for you, you know. So I mean, it's you know you're putting you're putting a lot of time and work into it. But I suppose it when you see the, you know, when you see it paying off, I suppose it makes it worthwhile. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Oh no, look, there's there's a lot of uh, stumbles on the or stumbling blocks on the road, I suppose. But it's just persevering, uh, keeping pushing through. That's what that's what makes it good in the finish, I suppose. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've, I don't know. Maybe not this year. See, that's that's my problem as well. I like to make it all. You know, I really like to have it cinched down. I hate releasing something that's, you know, half done, three quarters done. So I may be thinking end of the year, possibly early twenty twenty four for the next lure. But um, I'll continue to try and improve the saber one thirty, saber one fifty, lance one sixty as well along the way. Different colors, different color series. Yeah, you introduced the kind of the bigger ones there um, last year, kind of one fifties, and 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 uh, I think you said there was a saber one seventy, was it? Uh, saber one fifty, yeah, the one fifty and the the one thirty, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and like what what kind of made you make the bigger one, or was that kind of demand from anglers, or was it something that you taught yourself? I uh, know it was always kind of myself, really. Um, like my my favorite style of fishing has to be weightless. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love the jig heads, love all you know trotting, all the fun stuff. But weightless, weedless has to be definitely my my most preferred um, style of fishing, I suppose. And that's like the saber one thirty is eleven and a half grams. It could get out there, but it didn't have the proper distance or I suppose profile, not profile uh, presence that I was looking for. So that led to the bigger. The bigger saber. Yeah, yeah. I found actually, yeah, I found a saber. I was quite surprised actually that it cast quite well with the, you know, the belly weight hook like I was using yeah. it. And uh, yeah. it actually absolutely flew out like whichever way it's balanced, it just flew out like. And um, oh, yeah, it was deadly in a bit of flow, you know, really good like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's got nice presence now, all right. I wanted something to kind of match the presence of the Lance 160, but with a tail. So that's kind of. I suppose the the Lance One Sixty and the Saber One Fifty are kind of cl- you know they're close akin to each other. I wanted that presence out of it, um, but yeah, no, very happy with them. All right, um, I originally had a bigger version. I think it was was it closer to one sixty, one seventy mil, and I just found it was just maybe that tad bit too big. No, the boat boys would probably love it, but for the shore work, no, I I, I was happy with the one fifty. You now to stay to stay at that length and that that weight. Yeah, yeah, like it looks good, like it's going to, you know, it's going to attract the big fish, you know, like, I mean, I've used lures, you know, 170, 180 kind of hard lures and got yeah, that on yeah. but like, you're not too far away from that either. It's a big looking bait and a, you know, a big, big fish, looking, looking for a big meal, he's going to go for it, like. Yeah, yeah, and the schoolies seem to smash it as well. That's what I was kind of, I was wondering, would the schoolies be put off, but not at all. They, they still smash it like it's a. They do, a yeah, one- I know it's that, yeah, I think one of the first ones I got off you, a white one, I was using it one night there and. 
you're like I had about a dozen fish on it, but we're only kind of a couple of pounds, you know. But they were hammering <laughs> it like. Yeah, yeah. So it it doesn't put them off of the either. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I see you're doing it. You have a bit of merch coming out as well this year, have you? Yeah, what's that? <laughs> that's coming out hopefully the next weekend or two. I'm thinking. Um, yeah, that's been a long time coming. Uh, fairly painful design process. Um, definitely took away from the lures for a while, but no, it's finally it's finally here. I'll have hoodies, hats, t-shirts, so with, with more to come throughout the the following months and years. But yeah, I'm happy to get something out there. You know, something to to represent the brand, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, it looks good. I see. I think you had one of the hats up there recently on your on your social media, and uh, yeah, it looks looks really cool. Uh, really nice design. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, hopefully they'll uh, they'll be nice anyway. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. So I'm thinking maybe the next weekend or two they'll be they'll be ready to rock. They'll be ready to to get out to happy anglers. Yeah, yeah. And here, tell me, last year, how did you find the fishing? I mean, we all know the weather was kind of crap from, from autumn onwards, but uh, how was it for you in general? Uh, did you get a chance to get out as much as you wanted to, or what was the fishing uh, like? I don't, I don't think we ever get to, get to get out as much as we want, but uh, no, yeah, like it was yeah. a mediocre year. Um, I didn't have the, the time really to put in those those night sessions, you know, that I've done in years past. Um, those dawn sessions, you know, four o'clock in the summer. So it was yeah, mainly yeah. tipping away in the evenings. Um, it was okay. I, I, I've had better years anyway. Kind of, you know, it was it, there was a lot of persistence needed, and it didn't always pay off. Yeah, it was kind of a strange, strange season uh, for me as well. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't as many kind of big fish around, and I, I felt yeah. kind of the bass didn't really come in to the shore yeah. uh, as much as previous years. I know the guys in the boats were getting. We're getting a lot, and there was a lot of bass offshore, but um, yeah. it didn't seem to kind of hit the shore in 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 numbers as as in as they have in previous years. You know, I think uh, I think it was maybe the same with you down there, was it? I I didn't see much bait fish as well. Like like the, I didn't I didn't see mackerel once this year either. Um, the lack of bait fish was kind of worrying, all right. But look, it, it runs in cycles. The lads in the boats were absolutely smashing them around by me. Um, so yeah, that was that was a bit disheartening as well, knowing that a couple hundred yards away from where you're casting, there's lads absolutely cleaning up for sure. Look, uh, yeah, yeah. This year, but the boat, but the boat is cheap, like isn't it? That makes it too easy from the boat, isn't it? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I'd say there's a bit of there's a bit of work going in to find them, all right. But uh, yeah, I found like especially in a few of my spots early season, like once it hits March and it starts clearing up April. Like used to smash, and that they were some of my favorite months of the year. But this year, they just didn't, they didn't come into the shallows as much. I found anyway on a few of my spots. Yeah, yeah. I suppose look at the, the like it changes every year, doesn't it? Like you know, and the habits yeah, change right. every year, and you might get you back. Think you, you think you have it nailed spot. down to a cycle, and it just the next year it leaves you, <laughs> it leaves you high and dry without a fish. Yeah, that's it. Like that's I suppose that's what's good about it because you know I suppose if it was a case of just turning up at your spot every year, every every session and catch a fish, but like we'd probably get bored of it. You know, it's you know it's oh, no harm that it keeps us on our toes and keeps us guessing what's going on and keeping you know having to suss out the estuaries again and your marks yeah, yeah. like it's always changing. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the beauty of it. Like if you're if your top mark is not firing, like I'm going to go to a new mark and you're trying to figure that out. And for me. I think that's the that's the most enjoyable part of the whole process is going up to a brand new mark, you don't know anything about it, and you're puzzling it out from stage one. And when you finally pull a fish off it, then 
that's when you know that's when it all pays off. And it mightn't be a big fish, but it's just puzzling out those marks that I find to be the the most exhilarating part of it. Yeah, for sure, definitely same as myself. Like you know, yeah, see if you if you you know you have an idea in mind, and I must I want to try this spot and. When you get to try it, and you know, it might take you, might take you the whole summer to actually figure it out. Like, but when you do get a fish off it or two, it's just, it's great. Like, isn't it? It's better than going down to one of your regular marks and hauling, you know, a couple of dozen off it. Like, you know, it's much more satisfying. Oh, any day of the week, yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Now, and like it, there's no, there is no better feeling, especially when you, Joe, you work it from stage one. You haven't heard anything about it. You don't know lads fishing it. You haven't heard where to fish. You're just puzzling it out, and that's. That one fish then would beat forty off another mark then that you're you're well used to. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. And here, tell me, Michael, what kind of setup are you using at the moment, rod and reel wise and braid wise? Um, at the moment, I'm using a ten roo brigade flip uh, for my spinning setup. It's I think it's eight seven. Um, it's probably eight six now because I had a, <laughs> the tip uh, got sheared off uh, when I was hauling a, a fish on shore. Um, oh, no. I have that pair paired with a 3000 uh, twin power I think it's the 2020 model and I have 20 I think I have 22 pound Shimano Kariki on it um, but it's a lovely soft action it's perfect for soft plastics I mean it's like now a lot of lads will be put off by it because a lot of people now these days are used to steelier rods do you know, like the yeah. major crafts etc this is like a spaghetti noodle for all of the, for all uh intensive purposes it's only rated 5 to 25 gram oh, um, right, yeah, yeah nice true action on a real sensitive like, like yeah, yeah yeah no I have lost fish over that that spaghetti noodle alright you know when you really need to grunt them in it's not the best but uh, just for plastics it's a dream and then for bait casting setup then I have a Shimano Lunamis which is a lovely steely rod um, it's 8 oh, to yeah, yeah, nice rods yeah I think it's 8 to 28 grams it is and I have a Shimano DC bait casting reel on it so that was a that was a learning curve in itself, all right. It still is a learning curve as the baitcaster setup. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen much guys use them kind of from the from in, in the salt water here on the bass. Yeah, how are you finding yeah. that? Oh, great. No, it's really really enjoyable. Just you know, learning a new I suppose putting a new feather on the cap. Um, that yeah. stems as well from I suppose growing up watching the American bass fishermen pitching and flipping jigs into cover. Um, so that's how that came about and then I, I spotted a few videos on Shimano Japan's um, YouTube page and there was a lot of lads there using them for their sea bass so that kind of sold me on it and I, I think it's my second year using it now and no, it's been really it's been really interesting learning it now I still can't get the same distance I do out of the spinning setup I don't think I don't know if that's possible but for a close quarters combat you know when you're on a rocky reefy mark your, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, really interesting. What no, are you kind of doing? Firing out kind of like uh, shallow diving baits or something or kind of... Oh, you, know, hey, you know me, I won't... Uh, I'm stubborn that way. It's only it's only uh, Sabre or Lance I'm throwing out on them. Yeah. Well, I was <laughs> going to ask you, I was going to ask you actually, you know, give me like your top three lures, like other than, <laughs> other than your own ones. Like what else, what else would you throw out like, you know? Um, Honestly, I used, I think I used one lure that wasn't my own last year. And that was, it was one session, I think it was in May. Um, myself and my buddy Sean, we were fishing a mark we always fish. And he had 30 fish up for me at one stage and I had zero. Wow. And what was he using? He was using a small little uh, shallow diving plug. And I was, I was being stubborn. I was persevering, casting out saber, lance. I was getting nips. As soon as I turned out, threw on one of his plugs and I gave in. 
I had 20 fish of my own. So that's the only yeah. time last year, actually. It's, that's it's, the it's amazing, isn't it? It's really, it's really amazing, like, because, you know, if he wasn't there, you you might have thought, oh, there's nothing here, maybe, you know, yeah. or, you know, it's, exactly. it, but it was actually full of fish. Um, it's, yeah. Just, yeah. it's just amazing, the little change of lore. And that could have worked in the opposite way as well. You know, it's just, just really interesting. That It's like small little adjustments and you, you have turnouts like that. That's the thing. Like there definitely is a place for hard baits. I, I just don't use them out of stubbornness, but uh, you, de- I think you definitely do need them. Them and metals, um, it just I think that's that extra vibration out of shallow diving plugs, top waters. It really, uh, it really turns them on sometimes. All right, when a plastic wouldn't really cut the, Joe wouldn't really cut it from. Yeah, so I suppose it's nice to have. It's nice to have a few options. Oh, right, definitely, definitely, scenarios, yeah. You know, um, yeah, would you ever kind that, of consider making a, a hard lure or a metal or anything like that in the pipeline? Or ah, uh, no, oh, I don't think I have the skills. Like some of the like the lads, like I've seen some lures handmade, like hard baits, stick baits, and I mean they're works of art. I don't think I'd have the skills to to attempt even going into that line of work. I, I'll, I'll stick with the plastics, I think, for the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're doing a good job of that anyway. So, I mean, uh, you know, um, you stick at it while the going's good, says you. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, we'll see what comes down the pipeline. But no, those those lads are artists for all work, or for all intensive purposes, like some of, like works of art, I think. Yeah, there is. There's, there's a lot that goes into it, all right, isn't it? Like, and But then, you know, then on the other hand of it, you know yourself, you've seen kind of, you know, we've all had the cheap old lures from China, whatever, euro and two euro, and uh, they can be really effective as well, you know? It's just, oh, yeah, uh, one, just... yeah, 100%. Yeah, we all we all see those stories online and we've all experienced them where two euro plug from China, out, you know, out catches a 25 euro plug from Japan. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, it's, it's great. Like, we all have our favorite lures and the reality is, like, most of the lures, most of them will work and in certain circumstances, like, you know, and that's the good thing about, I suppose it's a good, it's a good place we're in at the moment with, with lower fishing. We have such a selection of stuff out there, like, but, um, yeah, yeah it, definitely, definitely. And that's the beauty of it. Like we have, like we have lures from U- the U S we have lures from Japan, like the French boys are cranking out lures. Like we have such selection. Um, it's like, Joe, even compared to even 10 years ago, like you had to go into a shop and actually, Joe, you, they had what they had, um, so we really have the world is our oyster now in terms of gear selection. It's it's kind of crazy, but yeah, yeah it's great yeah. sport that we can try. You know, if something tickles our fancy, we can try it in the morning if we want. Yeah, and I suppose like the good thing about like with yourself and and the Evo Bass stores, like I mean, they're here, they're they're in, they're in Ireland, they're made in Ireland here, and we can get them here. They're accessible, you know. We like I don't know about you, but I used to get a lot of lures from the UK and. Yeah, I kind of yeah. more or less kind of had to stop with kind of, you know, customs charges and supply issues and that. So, like, it's brilliant yeah. to be able to get such a kind of top quality lure uh, in Ireland. Like, um, you know, it's 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 a great time for lure fishing here in, in Ireland. Oh, definitely. No, it's nice to get something homegrown, all right. Um, yeah, I suppose custom charges and whatnot have been the, the bane of many an angler who used to buy stuff from the UK and abroad. But, look, at yeah, we, we, it's it's really after evolving in Ireland, I think, in the last 10 years. You know, there's plenty of, there's so many shops offering great gear as well, which is, it is fantastic. Like, re- really, really is. Like, it was, even trying to find weedless hooks, I remember years ago, it was a real struggle. Um, yeah, trying to yeah. find Senkos, Slogos, it was, it was almost impossible. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, 
it's come on so much like with gear and equipment and as you said rods do you know we can have different types of rods for your different types of fishing like and uh yeah you know, reels, everything and the braid everything has come on so so much like um like long gone are the days of monofilament uh you know, yeah, monofilament yeah. on a big 12 foot rod yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah it's just it's just unheard of now like so and, and even the braids i find the braids you know, a lot of braids now are good. You know, it's you know, it's rarely that uh, you'll find a bad braid really now. You know, from from yeah, the kind of main, yeah. the main, the main kind of makers. Like you know, it's uh, yeah. You know, it's like really nice the first time I I threw on braid, I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was a miracle. Like I got double the cast out of you know typical monofilament. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, remember the kind of the Power Pro was kind of the first kind of stuff that hit us, didn't it? From America, yeah. like you know. Yeah, yeah. Power Pro and I think Stren was the other one. Yeah, yeah, like it's just such a big difference, like, um, and the rods as well. You know, there's so, yeah. there's so many options, like, it's great, really. Because, like, it was unheard of, even, I would say 15 years ago, it was unheard of to be casting or using a rod rated up to 30 grams. Like, it was all two ounce kind of, you know, big yeah, beefy like small, rods. small beach casters, like, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're really after scaling down and, you know, it's it's all, it's all more about finesse now than what it was previously. And just the knowledge as well. Like, yeah, that's it. The knowledge that's out there and that's accessible for people now is, it's it's tenfold what it used to be. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, I mean, you know, I started, when I was starting kind of at Lures, whatever, property, maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. Like, it was so hard to kind of get information, like, you know, and even trying to figure stuff out yourself, like, um you know, it was really, really difficult, like, you know, but now we've so many resources kind of online and people are always willing to, to, to help out. Like, so it's, uh, yeah. oh, it's good. Like, and you know, I know it's great. It's great to be able to suss out your own spot, like, and find your own marks and, you know, but there's plenty of kind of resources out there and tools out there to help you do that as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, it is. It's fantastic for the preservation of the sport as well, because like previously it was just passed down hourly, I suppose. Um, but now, like, you know, if, if a young lad wants to go online, he can get all the information at his fingertips. He doesn't have to you know, go scouring for the, the local bass guru who once upon a time, you know, fished all these marks. So it's really, I suppose, from a preservation point as well, like it's great for passing it down to the next generation. It's, it's really accessible. Yeah, it is. And, and, a good, and another good thing I noticed as well with anglers, it's great, like the kind of catch and release kind of... Um, yeah, that's mentality yeah. is great. Like more, like most of the guys, like the vast majority of the guys, anglers, like they're all. It's all catch and release. It's it's great to see it. Like you know, and yeah, I suppose yeah. If we want to preserve it going forward. You know, if we, you know, we have to be kind of be seen to be doing that. You know, if we, especially if, you know, especially if they kind of consider opening a commercial fishery for bass further down the line. If we want to kind of oppose that, we have to be seen to be kind of protecting it ourselves. Yeah, definitely, we have to be seen to doing doing the same. And like, it's crazy how mentalities have switched in 10, 20 years. Like, I'd say it was absolutely unheard of to, you know, to release a bass back then. And now it's just commonplace. Like, obviously, still some get taken. Like, that's that's no problem. But as long as it's sustainable, which it is, um, I, I think it's, it's definitely great going forward. And we'll just have our fingers crossed that they don't open the commercial fisheries here back in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, no, it's working well as you probably see it as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of small bass around, which is great to see. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a great stamp of a few certain year classes. All right, so hopefully, ten years plus to mature, they'll be. Uh, we'll have a few brutes going around the place. Yeah, yeah. So, Michael, when is the next uh, drop for Evo Bass Lures? What's what's when? When can we get more lures or, or uh, merchandise? 
I'm hoping February. I don't have an exact date. That's my <laughs> that's my usual modus operandi. Um, yeah, no, I've started producing them then already. So I'm hoping middle of February, possibly early February, possibly late February, but it will definitely be February at some stage. Um, I'll have all them available, all the usual, uh, the usual stock and a few jig heads. Um, and then apparel, I'm hoping the next week or two, I'll be announcing the date anyway tomorrow at some stage. And excellent, excellent. Any new colours? Any new colours in the lowers coming out? Anything? anything well, of different? course. I've, uh, I have one chroma shift colour that will be ready for February. Um, a sneak little preview. It's it's more sandy than the others. It's uh, got a lovely brown to green shift on top and a, a blue belly, blue shifty purple belly. So that'll be interesting. It's a, it's a you know, it's more so a natural colour. It's similar enough to Goblin. But it's got more, it's got almost more bling to it. So it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I have a few other colors in the pipeline as well. I actually have a new color series I'm trialing at the moment. So it'll be separate from the Chroma Shift series. It'll be something slightly different, but we'll see how that goes. That's not, that's still in the works, but I'm hoping it'll be, it'll be a good addition to the lineup. Oh, brilliant, Michael. That sounds, uh, some exciting me to have listened to that. Can't wait for that. <laughs> Um, look, thanks very much for talking to us. It's great that we got to chat uh, finally, and uh, looking forward to kind of seeing what you're doing over the coming year. And hopefully, we'll get to meet up maybe for a session one day as well. Yeah, really appreciate you having me on, Cormac. Uh, no, we should have done this uh, with a while. Um, yeah, definitely looking forward to the season, and we'll have to meet up for a few sessions. Uh, try and show you a few honey holes down this direction and hopefully you can do the same for me no promises of fish though but we'll, we'll try our best uh, brilliant yeah sounds good Michael and uh, look at thanks again for chatting to us and hopefully we'll chat to you soon okay brilliant Cormac chat soon bye bye thanks Michael bye bye so that's it folks that's our very first podcast in the Lore Fishing Podcast series big thanks to Michael Kelly from Evo Bass Lures for being so generous with his time and information. Uh, really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you did, give us a like and a share. And uh, we really hope to have some more interesting uh, guests on in the coming weeks and months. I'm Cormac Walsh from Bass Fishing Ireland. Thanks for listening. Tight lines. See you soon.